This show is brought to you this week by the patrons at patreon.com slash major spoilers. You can support this show and access even more content when you sign up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Thanks to Hannah Jones and Nicholas Cartagena, Cartagena, I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing your name, but thank you so much for increasing your pledge this week. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, it's time for football, so decide if you're for Arsenal or Chelsea, why Raleigh or the Rovers goes for the kick. We've got animation and comics galore, and see which Batman cast members connects to get their own show. Fingers crossed for Harold the Mechanic. Are you troubled by strange noises, feelings of dread in your basement or attic? If your answer is yes, don't wait another minute. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve your needs. The Major Spoilers Podcast is ready to believe you, and we're on the air. Welcome to issue 943 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for checking us out this week in the pre-show. Now, I know last week a lot of people were, who are patrons were confused by like, was there a pre-show this week? And everyone had to remind you, uh, yes, obviously, uh, the uh, pre-show was part of the main show last week. We gave everyone a little taste of what you get in the pre-show when you become a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. This week in the pre-show, I asked the question, are filmmakers too high on their own supply? We'll have to listen to the pre-show to find out how that conversation went. In the meantime, even what that means. how about we jump into the news? Righty-ho. So, if you guys were worried that Haley Atwell didn't get enough attention for her work on Agent Carter, be prepared, because Haley Atwell has been cast as Lara Croft in the upcoming Netflix anime series of The Tomb Raider. Uh, apparently, it's going to pick up after the events of the video game reboot trilogy, uh, which basically is a whole new start for Lara Croft, globetrotting Tomb Raider and shooter of bad people. Uh, they don't have any announced uh, official release date, but I believe this year is the 25th anniversary. So if they get it just right, Netflix and uh, director Tasha Hua can get this just boom, 25th anniversary, brilliant. Haley Atwell, go. I don't know if they're going to hit that deadline because I think they just hired a writer as well. So I don't know where oh. they're at in this in the series. And we are we are September uh -huh. and I don't think you're going to have this uh, animated by December. So you could I think I mean not and be good. Uh, so let's hope that it is that is good and they take their time. Right. Let us uh, now move to the head of the class. There's a new president and CEO at Paramount Pictures. Brian Robbins, previous head of Nickelodeon and former star of the 80s sitcom head of the class, has been tapped to run the studio, oversee films produced for the studio, and focus primarily on uh, feeding Paramount Plus with a lot of the studio's content. Uh, let's see. So there you go. So uh, hooray for Brian Robbins. I did, <laughs> apparently he got this job. I was reading the article over at Variety. He got this job because he was pitching uh, his vision of how Paramount Plus can increase uh, streaming media content. And mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I think Paramount Plus and the Peacock Network and to, a, to an extent Hulu all suffer from the same stigma. And that is those are the places where you go and watch television, streaming television. Mm -hmm. It's not a place where you think of for premiere movies and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you think of the, the, or like the big Disney's. originals. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Uh, and which is funny because I've just been talking a lot about some of the originals that are on Hulu that are really, really good. But again, you're thinking serialized television and not big major motion pictures. So hopefully uh, Robbins will bring you know, his magic over to Paramount Plus and to Paramount Studios and figure out a way to get people to change their mind. Because of all the streaming services, Paramount Plus is the one that I definitely do not have. And the only appeal that I see right now on Paramount Plus to even try to draw me over is the um, is the Star Trek stuff. And that's not even enough to get me to pull that trigger. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, according to Variety, Amazon is in early development to produce a live action Shira series. The animated hero first debuted in 1985 in the animated film He-Man and Shira: The Secret of the Sword before getting her own animated series, which ran between 1985 and 1986, but still somehow had 100 episodes or more, (laughs) um, or almost 100 episodes. Uh, As this is an early announcement, there's no word on when or if the live-action series will be given the green light. Yeah, anybody excited for this? I know they had the, um, who was it, Netflix had the animated She-Ra series, and a lot of people were kind of split on their like of that. Are we ready for a live-action She-Ra series, Rodrigo? Uh, Yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, Netflix is about to launch a new He-Man series as well on top of the uh, Kevin Smith one. Yep, that's um, right. It's like a little kiddier looking one, right? Mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. kind of super big, like chunky, super deformed characters. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Have 10 different versions of He-Man and She-Ra. That's, that's how Batman has stayed relevant, right? Yep. Because some form of Batman appeals to everybody. So if you just radiate your characters out like that, yeah. you'll find something that, that people are into. Yeah, and that kind of elasticity will actually make your character feel more epic and iconic even than they are. Um, I know my wife is psyched for a She-Ra live-action series. And depending on how they cast it, I might be interested in watching it as well, you know? You have to admit, there's there's characters in there that you kind of go, yeah, I'd like to see how they do that in live-action. Yeah, how do they do a Mantana? Right, or a, a Many Faces, or a mm-hmm. Mechanic. Yeah, but or a pick a nick basket. Pick a nick basket. Hey, boo boo. Well, we talked about that I think a couple shows ago, and that didn't go so well. No, that was that fell on its face pretty hard, in my opinion. Anyway, continuing in that, all the news you hear from Hollywood is a rumor until it's not a rumor category. HBO Max may be working on a Penguin series, spinning off from that upcoming The Batman movie uh, with the Robert Pattinson. We already know they've got a new uh, Gotham, Gotham PD series is happening. And, uh, you know, we at Major Spoilers believe that everything is better with Batman. So more Batman on HBO Max could be everything. Uh, we know that Colin Farrell has been cast as the Penguin in the movie, which means we may get an Irish Penguin, which I think would be lovely. And the series is going to be looking at, well, if the series actually exists, would be looking at his rise to power in Gotham. According to Variety, uh, Lauren LaFranc has been hired to write the scripts for a series with Matt Reeves and Dylan Clark, executive producing. They are really uh, betting a whole lot on this Batman, uh, the Batman movie. Because, like I said, they've got the movie in the works, the the Gotham uh, City yeah. uh, PD series, Rodrigo, and now a Penguin thing. Yeah, um, yeah, they're going all in on it, which is good. You know, if it's good that the studio has faith in it, I guess. My, I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, wasn't Gotham already a story about like the, the early the days Penguin's of the Penguin? Rise. That was yeah. five years ago, man. That's an eternity. I, I guess you're right. You're right. 
You know, He-Man has now... been rebooted four times. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. You're totally right. Twice since the beginning of this episode. Yep, there you go. Uh, listeners, we want you to join the conversation about these stories and a whole lot more over on our Discord server. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. There is a link in the show notes. But listen, as I mentioned earlier, if you're a patron, you can link your Patreon account to the Discord server, and then you get access to even more features, including the live Thursday night recording of Dueling Review. We do that at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. It's a lot of fun. We do a stages uh, set up there, and uh, we do a pre-show. We uh, Last couple of weeks, Jimmy's been coming in and doing some trivia with us. Uh, there's usually a little bit of post-show time, so there's a bunch of extra stuff that you may not get to hear. In fact, I think last week on Dueling Review, I, I released uh, part of Jimmy's trivia with us. So you can kind of mm-hmm. go and hear what uh, things you get when you connect your Patreon account to our Discord server. And the only way you can do that is when you become a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Let's now jump into some reviews. I think Ashley is out this week. For those of you that are wondering, uh, Stephen, Stephen must be really serious about only having three people on the show at the same time for budgetary reasons. Eh, maybe. Uh, but uh, I think she's still doing her acting thing uh, this week on the stage. She's got a big deal that's going on. So hopefully she's having a lot of fun with that and doing well. She's on the document. You might want to double check with her. Yeah. Oh, is she? Well, she hasn't. Yeah, she's uh, on the Google well, Doc. Let's, let's see if she's going to be joining us. Maybe she's, maybe she's done. I, I tried adding her several times in the pre-show, so... We'll see if she, if she, if she surprises us, Ashley, Ashley, let's all summon, let's all, you know, hold hands. Nope. So she's unavailable. So anyway, okay. Anyway, let's do some reviews. And last week, Matthew, everybody was talking about, uh, Hey, let's make comic books about the villains because the villains are way more cooler than the superheroes. Eh, you make it sound like this is a new thing. The Joker had his own book back in 1975 Joker has his own book now. And I didn't like it then. Don't like it now. Well, you were four then, so you didn't care. But here's the deal. Uh, Black Manta, who is, yes, the worst of the worst of the Aquaman villains, murdered Aquaman's son, whose name is uh, Aquababy, uh, back in 65 or so. Black Manta launched in his own limited series. And I will tell you two things about this book. As with so many brand new, brand new comics, I have appreciation for what they're doing here. It's a beautifully drawn book it's really really well constructed and they've redesigned black manta with a cool new suit and they're like yeah we're gonna do all these awesome things and i just i i could not really relate to it and part of it is the fact that yeah it's black manta he's a murderous jerk face but also this seems to be the second chapter of something that happened in the 80th anniversary aquaman special the hundred page super spectacular. So without the context of what happened in that book, I don't know what the MacGuffin is. I don't know how to spell MacGuffin either. If you ask Steven. Oh no. But if you ask know, anybody, uh, they know how to spell MacGuffin. You don't, but that's okay. Knows how to spell MacGuffin. It's M A G. Well, is it, is it the, is it the Irish MacGuffin or is it like MacGuffin? It's the MacGuffin that, uh, it's the Scottish MacGuffin that Alfred Hitchcock uses. But, um, this, I think the most, uh, horrifying moment in this book, the big dramatic, oh my God, somebody is evil. And it's not black Manta, by the way, is the murder of a supervillain. And the supervillain in question is the human flame. You guys know the human flame? Oh yeah. He and, he and, uh, and Namor used to battle it out all the time back in the day. You're thinking of the human torch. Is it it that? That Brazilian lady? 
No, that's uh, fire, also oh, known no. as uh, the Green Flame. The mm-hmm. Human Flame uh, was a Martian Manhunter villain back way back in the day who popped up again during, uh, I'm going to say, Infinite Crisis for a minute and was part of the story where John Jones was murdered for about a week and a half. Oh. Yeah, he's oh, the guy with, that with guy. flame nipples. Flame nipples. You know the guy. Yeah, we just um, called him uh, Nipple Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Nipple fire. Yeah. Well, that's his X-Men name. Yeah. But um, he gets murdered in this by a guy who then uses magic to somehow transport themselves into another universe and build a new suit or something. I'm not sure. Um, I will say this. Once again, I was bothered by the fact that when you read the solicitation for this issue, it's basically telling you the setup of the whole five issue or six issue limited series, whatever Mm -hmm, it is, mm -hmm. including things that don't happen in this issue. One of the things that this issue is apparently setting up is the introduction of devil Ray. If you may remember a devil Ray from the justice league unlimited series, he was the guy they created when they thought the rights to black Manta were tied up somewhere else. So he's basically, yeah, he's basically a dollar store black Manta. Not in this issue, but a big part of the solicitation. So here's the deal. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. If you read the Aquaman 80th anniversary, hundred page super spectacular, and you really want more of this, definitely pick it up. Cause it's something that I think will, will work better as a second chapter, the second chapter than it is rather than the first chapter that it's advertised as. And if you ever wanted to see a really, really good comic book version of the mechanical suit that we saw in the Jason Moa Moa movie, then this is the Black Manta for you. For me, I probably won't be back for next issue unless it, you know, pops up on my radar and somebody says, oh my God, this is amazing. I will still give it three slices of meatloaf based on the strength of the art and the fact that they are, you know, they're really swinging for the fences here. It just, it didn't work for me partly in a context term and partly on a, I don't want to be the guy who says who's the fan of black Manta, but nobody, I'm not, not saying who's the fan of black Manta. So there you I go. Mean, black Manta. So black Manta has some fans because <laughs> he was actually used pretty well in the, um, young justice series, the, <laughs> the, the TV series. Yeah, and I think you know some people, especially because he's tied to that Aqualad. Right. Um, oh, that Aqualad! Like it's uh, you know, there's like three there's, or four Aqualads. Thursday nights this fall on CBS. That yeah, Aqualad, he's the father of the current Aqualad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. followed by that's so Cheshire, <laughs> but he also killed Aqua Baby. Yeah, and you know Aqua I understand babies. being really tied to this character because he debuted in '67, so he's 50 years old. He is one of the earliest examples that I can find of an African-American villain in the DC mm. universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah so. it, you know, some, some, some characters it's like, okay, Batman, who are Batman's villains? And people can name like five of them, right? Off the top right. of their head, no problem. Mm-hmm. But you get to Aquaman is like, who's an Aquaman villain? And people can be like black man. And they're like, yes, we're yep. using that guy because people will recognize them. He's yep. the guy we know. You know, if you uh, say her name enough, she magically appears. Ashley, Ashley, Ashley. Uh, <laughs> whippy, whippy. Uh, 
Don't open two shows in two weekends. Oh, it's two. Two shows. Friends. I thought you just had the one the one show. What's your other show? Yeah, so I opened an original show uh, last weekend, and then I'm opening a Halloween show this weekend. Oh, what's and I'm the... not playing a witch, but I am playing a black cat, so it's like almost as good. Nice. So, what's the uh, fill us in on the uh, the witchy the 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 Halloween one? It's yes. called. Are you the... familiar with her work as a black? <laughs> there is a witch in the show, but it's not me. Uh, it's called the Halloween Radio Spooktacular. It's going to be put on in Burbank. If you search all those three words clustered together on Eventbrite, you can find tickets for it. And it's a series of um, like one act uh, spooky Halloweeny radio shows. Oh, they neat. are. It's sort of a hybrid show, so they are blocked. We are in costumes and sets, but it is presented uh, into microphones like an oldie timey radio yeah, show. Yeah, what was that? Was really that podcast? Fun. That was a podcast that was on for the longest time. Ooh. That did that. Uh, that had Sparks Nevada and yeah. All I can think is the Alien Cowboy yeah, Thrilling yeah. Adventure. Yeah, Thrilling hour. Adventure Hour. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, very. It's very much in that style. Cool. Except we're not as famous. Uh, you will so be. So please come out and make us famous. <laughs> you will be Ashley Victoria Robinson. So there you go. We're already down in the review section. I don't know. With as busy as you have been, did you have a review this week? Do you have something that you can talk about? Oh, boy. Um, I didn't watch Marvel because I was afraid of the zombies. Um, I, I haven't engaged with very much media lately. Uh, I can understand. Reservation Dogs is great. Watch Reservation Dogs. There you go. in Oklahoma. That's the one that I had mentioned uh, (laughs) last week on the pre-show, that Reservation Dogs, really good. And this week's episode was, oof, man, that is a heart-ripping tale. Yeah. The the (laughs) thing is, the show started off so funny. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's Taika Waititi is uh, one of the executive producers on the show. And, of course, it's uh, got a, a complete cast. And I think most of the crew are Native Americans. Um, yeah. and the show starts West out, Duty. yeah, the, the show starts out so funny. And then as each episode goes, it just gets more and more depressing to the point where, mm. you know, a warning for people. I mean, they put a warning at the end before the show starts, uh, there leads, there's a suicide in this week's episode. Mm. And it's just like, how did we go from these, you know, wannabe gangster gangsters fighting with another wannabe gang on, you know, reservation land to, oh man, uh, suicide and running away from home and all these other things and, and, you know, abuse. It's just like, oh man, it's, it's deep. But that, I think all the best comedies do that. Oh yeah, I think so. They touch on, they touch on some real themes and some dark themes. And I mean, uh, Sterling Harjo, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce, uh, his last name. I think Mm -hmm. has really made something special with that show. And it's cool that they shot it all in Oklahoma instead of like 30 minutes from where I live and said, yeah, this is definitely uh Harlan County. These are <laughs> Oklahoma palm trees here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, do you have a, those are the, the sloping mountains of Oklahoma. Of Oklahoma. Yeah. Do you have a favorite character or actor on that series, Ashley? Um, of the regular cast members of the children's, I really like cheese. Yeah. Kind of the, the silly boy. Yeah. <laughs> I think cheese is, is pretty good. Uh, the girl, um, let's see if I can find her name. Uh, she's the one with the, the braid. She wears her hair in the braids all the time. Oh, from the tall man episode. 
Uh, no, she's one of the main regulars. She's the uh, like the second lead actress, is what I would. Yeah, I would she went her. hunting last. Yeah, yeah, the hunting. The, yeah, 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 that's right. yeah, 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 yeah. I like her a lot. She's my favorite one because she just seems very. She's very natural. Yeah, very natural in, in the way that she delivers stuff. And I don't know if that is inherent or if that's the way they wrote to her, but it's really, really good. Uh, and then I also like the town sheriff. Um, I think he's really good, too. He's he is on. He's a big part of some other show because Jason recognized him when he showed up. Longmire. He's on Longmire. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but I believe he plays a very serious role on Longmire and uh it's and not that the character doesn't take his job very seriously, like the episode where they were talking about being um a light horseman was really uh-huh. was really good too. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And then the the cool thing is uh if you start watching other programming, you'll see some of these actors pop up in other things. Um there is the guy, I think he is the father of Bear. Uh, he showed up on another show recently. I was like, oh, I know him from the Reservation Dog. Dad? Yeah, yeah, Rapper Dad. Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, so it's just really uh, nice to see that they have a lot of other stuff. And the fact that they have such a wide age range of Native Americans that are coming in to do all of these roles is great, too. So, there yeah, you go, I've Ashley. a little bit of criticism. Some people saying that they don't think that the casting is really strong, which one, hard disagree with. I would, I would, um, too. But also, how many roles are there for Native American actors? It's lovely to see people get a chance to work. Mm-hmm. The uh, the twin the twin brothers are really good. The rappers, the twin rappers. I love them, and they're IRL rappers. They're great social oh, media followers. Okay. If okay. you guys need a real uh, uh, uplift in your day, yeah, it's just a good show, top to bottom. What would what was the rating that you would give this, Ashley? Oh man, the like the latest episode, which is the darkest one, but uh, I love sad stories. So I mean, I'd probably give it a four, a four out of five so far for the whole series, and a, a five out of five for the latest episode. But like, it, yeah, it's real sad. Yeah. Oh so. yeah. Be prepared. I mean, this is just this. I mean, this isn't like we've been the white man has ruined our lives kind of things. This is just like our lives just fell apart after the death of this person, and they're all trying yeah, to come. Yeah, Daniel. Yeah, it's 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 really good. The only thing is, you have to have the Hulu. To get it. So there you go. You do. Um, yeah. or the cable. Or the cable. I, I don't right. know from the I don't know from the cable. I you know, honestly, if you're watching it on the FX network and you're watching it with commercials, oh man, that's got to be rough on that story. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh thank you for that, Ashley. Also out this week, it's Hellboy in the BPRD 1957 Family Ties. This is a one shot. From writer Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson with art by Lawrence Campbell. This is just one of those kind of weird side trips that Hellboy and one of his companions from the BPRD is is taking. In this case, this is set in 1957, although Hellboy is wearing, you know, the silk screened BPRD uh, logo shirt, as is his companion. And for whatever reason, whenever I see that, I don't think 1957, but all of the people and the setting and everything is definitely of the time period. So he's running around with uh, Susan and they're trying to cap, uh, track down copies of Gustav uh, Strobel's uh, witchcraft and demonology book, which somebody published in paperback form, which made it uh, so much easier for people to get hold of. And so they're in the suburbs uh, trying to track down a copy and they get to this house and the woman comes to the door and she's like, oh, my mother-in-law is just, you know, a horrible person. Can you guys do something? And then they go inside and it's just a house of nightmares because um, what happens is kind of a little bit of a spoiler, but the son of the house 
accidentally unleashed a demon, which latched on to the mother-in-law and the mother-in-law is, you know, straight out of the 1950s mother-in-law, how she hates everything and picks on everything. And so she unleashes some horrors in that house that Hellboy has to, uh, has to fight against. And it's got some great, uh, moments in the book. Like when Hellboy discovers, uh, what has happened to the boy that bought the book and his reaction, I've posted a couple of times on, on social media. It's just an, one of those great Hellboy moments where he's like, geez. And you just see that, uh, quick reaction, uh, from it. So the art is really good too. It is not, I mean, it, anytime that you're dealing with something that is not, that's Hellboy, but is not Mignola or someone who can ape his style. It always looks a little different. And certainly with this, it is not really, um, it's not trying to ape Mignola's style. So it's kind of its own thing, but it still has that high contrast with it. The horror bits are very horrific. Um, there's no real quiet moments because this is a one shot. We have to get in and get done. It's kind of like that very first Hellboy appearance where he goes to the house and he has to fight all the frog monsters. It's kind of like that. Uh, I enjoyed this. It is out this week. It's got a three ninety nine price tag, which I think is a really good price for this book. Uh, if you want, you can go and purchase it via the Comixology affiliate link that we have, where you can go and make that purchase over at Comixology. A little bit comes back our way. Three ninety nine is a good price, and I'm giving this four slices of meatloaf out of five. I just really enjoyed this story from top to bottom, and would definitely, definitely read that again. So there you go. Uh, Rodrigo, you're going to keep us in the Dark Horse Comics category by jumping ahead a whole yeah. week ahead of everyone else. To the future um, of next week. So I picked up the new issue of Norse Mythology, which is, uh, again, a comic based on Neil Gaiman's book of uh, Norse Mythology. Um, in this issue... Um, mm. We, uh, yeah, we have a, uh, what I want to say, a, a wrap up, basically last issue and this issue are, uh, the last issue is the setup. This issue is the payoff and the payoff is surprising. If you're not familiar already with the source material, um, it's, uh, it starts out with some giants being very, uh, mean to uh thor and uh uh so uh, if you recall from last time uh uncritical it yep <laughs> thor loki and this young man who has basically been given the power to run very fast um he's kind of like our point of view character um are all hanging out together and uh he the 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 boy is with Thor and Loki because um, Thor uh, was a guest at his house and they ate his goats and then when they reconstituted his goats, uh, one of the goats was broken because Loki made the boy do like a trick. Um, if you if you read the book, this is going to come out a lot better than me explaining it, but. Uh, yeah, so basically they've got this little sidekick. So they go see the giants, and the giants are like, oh, what can you do? And Loki's like, well, I can eat a lot, like more than anybody else. And so they set a feast in front of him, and he 
eats and eats and eats and eats and eats and eats. And then there's this other guy who's like this little scrawny guy on the other end of the table. And he eats more than he does. It's like Loki eats all of the food, but he leaves the bones. And it's like, and this guy ate the bones and the table, right? And so each of them is tested. Uh, Thor kind of happens to, it happens to Thor twice where the giants are like, oh, this is not very impressive. It's like, what can you do? It's like, Thor is like, I'm very strong. It's like, oh yeah, well, wrestle this old woman. And Thor tries to wrestle the old woman and he can't, right? So they're all very sad. And then at the end, um, they reveal what was happening. And they actually make some reveals about the previous issue and about that other giant who they had met on the road and how they're all tied up together. I don't want to spoil it. It's very cute. Again, really feels like a, a, a like that has that old school mythology feel mm-hmm. of like ah see what was going on here was this and it's like well does that make sense it's like i mean it makes sense if you want it to make sense right it like let's not get get into the logistics of how somebody moves a mountain into the path of something else right right let they just do that they can do that giants and gods and stuff can do that so uh i'm gonna give it Four and a half slice of meatloaf. It's a great read. Uh, the art by Mark Buckingham is really good. Um, has been really good this whole time. Uh, very enjoyable. Very good. I was going to ask about the art because I was looking. I just was just now looking at the cover uh, yeah. for this, and it looked really good. And so it's uh, good to see a, that there's Buckingham There's a controversy is... right now online about how chunky Thor should be. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen that because of the upcoming uh, Gods of War game. Yeah, because of God of War, right? They they they're playing him real chunky in that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this Thor is definitely on this felt side, right? He's buff and he's, uh, like stocky, but he's not, he's not a chubby boy, like, uh, like the God of War Thor. So if you, if you want something in between the God of War Thor and the Marvel Thor, this Thor should be pretty good. Very good. Very good. And, yeah, and what did Marvel you say? Thor's chunky now too. I well, believe it's pronounced chunky. Be- He's a big old chunkster. The big old chonky boy. He's a That's... fertility god. Get over it. <laughs> there you go. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what was the uh, what were the number of uh, things that you gave it, Rodrigo? Oh, the the meatloaf things that we're all about. <laughs> Four and a half slices of meatloaf. Yeah. So there you go. Thing about thing ladies and gentlemen, if you want even more reviews, you know where to go. Majorspoilers.com is the place. New reviews popping up every day of the week speaking of every day of the week um this month is the anniversary of somebody very special in our lives it's uh, one roy of the rovers who made his comic book debut in 1954 in the kids sports comic magazine tiger and then later he moved over to some other uh stuff uh, picked up by Rebellion is currently, well, I don't think the series is currently going on, but 67th anniversary of Roy the Rovers this month. So I thought now would be a great time since we've been looking at uh, comic strip comics a lot this year, that now would be a time to look at Roy of the Rovers. And the I couldn't find the stuff of when he first appeared in the 1950s. So apparently we are shooting ahead to the best of the 70s, which includes... I guess some of Roy's best stuff. Now, tragically, Roy the Rovers had to stop playing uh, uh, football because his foot got cut off in a helicopter crash. 
And so his son had to carry on. Wow. And then his son's adventures were not nearly as fun as Roy the Rover's, though. They canceled the series after that. <laughs> but we're looking at the 1970s, a time when uh, football is starting to get a little bit more respect. Uh, I believe if I remember my football history, uh, they were really cracking down on the hooligans in the 1970s. So it was a little bit safer to go back to the games, but not, not a whole lot because, uh, there was a big death. I'm gonna have to go back and see when that big death occurred where everybody just basically got mashed up against the fence because so many people rushed, the, oh, yeah. rushed the stadium. Yeah. I'm trying to remember when that was, but certainly one of the things that, uh, people kind of look at as helping that along. Uh, is Roy of the Rovers, uh, this weekly kids comic that came out, magazine that came out, that included a two-page, sometimes three-page uh, story featuring Roy and his friends as they were doing doing crazy uh, football things. And for those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about, I'm talking about soccer. Uh, the other interesting thing is that Roy of the Rovers plays for a team called the Melchester Rovers, which is a fictional team. So, uh, it's, mm. it's probably not Manchester United or Man City, and it's probably not, uh, uh, Chelsea or anything like that. It's its own thing. And so Roy and his friends play soccer, play football mm -hmm. the entire time. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that drama. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird drama. So give me some examples of weird drama in Roy the Rovers, Matthew. Well, at one point. Roy has a new guy on the team who's very popular as a substitute. Yeah. But the, what's his Roy name? Is the worried sub that he's yeah. Super sub, super sub. That's it. He's yeah. worried that this guy is too big and doesn't have the, uh, stamina to make it through a whole match. So we get like a week and a half of strips that are just worrying about, is this guy, is he going to work? What do I do? How do I even, what the, yeah. who the, what the, and, it's really fascinating because it feels like, you know, it feels to me like my only American comparison is like gasoline alley where it's just like, yeah, maybe centuries yeah. old. It's, yeah. but it's this on everybody drama. ages. Yeah. Everybody, yeah, ages. everybody yeah. ages in real time in the seven. This is the point where Roy graduated to his own strip. Right. So the collection that we're reading is the Roy of the Rovers years when he graduated from, I don't think he graduated from tiger. I want to say tiger. No. So what was, what was going magazine. on? No, no, no. So here's what was going on. So Roy was so popular in the night during this time period that, mm -hmm. um, they said, okay, we want to have some more mature stories taking a place in, and I forget what the second, second publication was, but essentially there were two Roy, the Rover stuff going on simultaneously, one in tiger and one in the, uh, I forget what the, is it, uh, I forget what the name of the other book was uh, match day, I guess is what the other, the other comic strip was. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they had these things going on simultaneously. They kept the same writer for both strips, but they had two different artists. Um, you know, one was for the other magazine. The other one was for tiger. I want to say that was in the nineties. This would be the 76 run. Uh, maybe I was, I'm just reading yeah. what I was uh, reading earlier yeah. uh, off of stuff. This is, this is a run that starts, uh, with Roy of the Rovers number one in September of 76. But the thing that's really cool, uh, is as you pick this up, Roy is 20 years older than he was when the strip started. So yeah. he's actually, you know, he's the coach the or player manager, the manager. manager. Yeah. yeah, the manager, player manager, which causes him trouble because he's worried that, you know, it, are people going to think I'm putting my own good against the good of the team? 
And at one point, he's up for some sort of prize for most goals in the season. Yeah. And people are worried that he's not playing the other players so that he can get more goals and make 30,000 pounds. Yeah, definitely. The The first major arc of this series, uh, of this specific series, is Roy too good at soccer. People <laughs> got to think that he's playing himself, but he's not because he's good. So he's just helping the team because he's good, okay? Yeah, Roy be good. Yeah. This is literally, as someone who's never watched Ted Lasso, what I imagine Ted Lasso is. Is this comic. Okay, Ashley. Uh, <laughs> if you trust me on my take on Reservation Dogs, then trust me when I trust me when I say you will cry after every episode of Roy of the Rovers. I'm not Roy I of the Rovers. Just Ted Lasso. Don't want Apple, <laughs> Apple TV. It's yeah, so uh, where uh, I come down on this. So, so here's the thing. Until I get it for free, <laughs> I think they have that free month trial. Do the free month trial. Burn through both seasons of Ted Lasso, and then you but- can thank me later. I also will say, as somebody who watches a lot of sports anime, this is not that far and not that different. That's what I was. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was curious. Tradition, <laughs> because that's that's one of the things that when we jumped into this, I was like, okay, first of all, of the four people on this show, uh, only one of us is a huge soccer fan. Um, the rest might be casual. The rest might not not know anything about it. So that's number one. Number two, this is very much a book that was out before half of the people on this panel were born. And number two, it is a uh, number three. It is a sports comic. And how interesting can a sports comic be mm-hmm. pretty much? Uh, I, I'll be honest. I made it through about uh, three fourths of the way of this book. And I was like, I got enough to know what's going on. Uh, pretty much. They are undefeated because Roy scores all the points uh, in, yeah. in this thing. But I'm, I'm, I, I just really was, want to get your guys's impression. Ashley, you say this is right in, in line with your experience with sports comics. Yeah, for sure. It definitely feels like it is of that ethos. And although it's not, there's not as much smooching in this one, most sports. <laughs> I mean, also I'm thinking of like, OMG check please, which is arguably right. even closer to this format. Right. It's told right. A panel at a time. Yeah. Uh, right. But that's hella gay. And, um, Roy of the yeah. Rovers Pretty gay, but not as obviously gay as OMG Checkley. <laughs> There's not as much romance in this. Like, yeah. this is like a straight up sports comic. This is like, I, mean, I don't know, maybe Rudy's a better comparison. It's still not a great comparison, but it doesn't feel out of place with my experience of like sports in right. comics. It's not like, wow, what is this weird edifice that you've dredged up from the 70s, Steve, you know, <laughs> as comics can sometimes be. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know, Matthew, do you have what experience do you have with sports comics? Well, uh, here's the thing. Besides NFL to, Pro or whatever it was. NFL Super Pro. Yeah. When it comes to comics, I mean, I have a, a grounding in sports comics because honestly, I absorb comics constantly. I sit at work and I'm like, ooh, here's some comics. Should I read them? Yes. All right. I will. You know, and I've read sports comics before and this one works better for me. I think partly because I know. I know F all about football as the way it's played, you know, in, in Melchester, but also because this isn't really a book about the football, about the sports. It's about the drama that you can dredge out of the sports. I feel like you could do this same plot and just change the pictures to do something different. So I'm always fine with a book that has, you know, no real supernatural elements and it's just a long, 
long ongoing narrative like this. Yeah. Like, uh, what's the, uh, what's the reporter lady from the newspapers? Uh, Brenda Starr. It's kind of like yeah, that. Brenda Starr. Yeah. Brenda Starr is a great example. Or, you know, Prince Valiant back mm-hmm. when they had weekly strips, you know, mm-hmm. or Those, Mark Trail. Yeah. Or, you know, a couple of months ago or whenever we did the Mandrakes. I mean, there's a definite similarity uh, there. These are not nearly that old. So there aren't nearly as many embarrassing moments where you're just like, what? So was anybody who's not familiar with, with soccer, did any of that stuff confuse you? Did any of the soccer stuff confuse you? I mean, I was probably, I was probably more confused by sort of, I guess, like, um, the haircuts. Yes. (laughs) No, because I, because I also read Prince Valiant. Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, I, I was more confused by some of the language. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I think, and it is tied to soccer, but it's like, okay, here's the vocabulary that I'm used to, Mm. and they're not using the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, he's, Threaten the bobbin or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Probably yeah. some uh, Britishisms there. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the Britishisms are, are more, I, I feel like sports wise, I am the least sportsy of us and certainly the least soccery because my soccer experiences once in the eighth grade, I was hit in the face with a soccer ball fell down and everybody laughed. Um, it's probably, you know, the source of whatever it is my brain does now, to be honest, but Ashley, you played soccer. Yeah, I played travel soccer. Uh, I played soccer competitively. For what like was your number? What was your position? Tell me all. This is a new um, thing about you that I didn't know. I knew you were swimming extraordinaire. Oh, yeah. I uh, No, I did all the sports as a child. Like, nice. I, I, if you name, besides maybe act, like American football, I, I curled. Yeah, I've curled before. Um, I did most of it and I did a lot of it competitively. So I played soccer. I didn't have a consistent number. Um, I was a midfielder, which mm. means I lacked uh, a specific skill, but I could run a yeah. lot. Um, I was a terrible goalie, but usually you had to play goal at least one game. Um, and then when I was a teenager, sometimes I'd play uh, defense because I became uh, what we called a booter, which means you can yeah, kick, kick it. really far and really yeah. high. So. Yeah. So a brief, the brief story of my uh, non-competitive yeah. soccer career. Also, the boy I had a crush on in middle school uh, became a professional soccer player. So that's fun. Yeah. Ashley so, was a, a third-story waistcoat uh, on the soccer field, which meant she played left gill flop, and she was really good at blocking the hoofter from so going So I have flop. been a soccer mm. parent for 10 years now, a decade now. The boy has moved from you know, peewee, uh, community league to, you know, traveling soccer where we would travel all mm-hmm. over the state, uh, to go do those things to now he is, uh, to middle school where, you know, a whole season was canceled because of, of COVID to now he's a uh, high schooler and, uh, he didn't make the, didn't make the varsity team this year. The coach was like, well, you know, if you weren't so small, you'd probably make the varsity team. And I was you like, come don't on, have to be big that's to what soccer. I, that's what I keep saying. That's, that's what a- I keep saying. But Anyway, he, uh, started out and he was a striker for the longest time. Um, and the striker is really one of those people that tend to make a lot of their goals. Uh, very much like Roy of the Rovers. I think I scored one goal in like the eight or nine years I played soccer. Oh yeah. No, uh, the boy would score lots of goals. Uh, so he was striker, (laughs) but then once he got into middle school, uh, definitely there is a height disadvantage, uh, for him uh, is, 
he's still very, very fast, but now he's been playing midfield for probably the last two years. And he really yeah. enjoys, he really enjoys midfield. Yeah. Uh, although I know he loves striker a lot more. Uh, but there's one other thing that ties my son to Roy of the Rovers and also ties Roy of the Rovers to some Fabulous of the greatest hair. Well, eh, maybe, uh, who knows? Kid needs to learn to comb his hair first. Um, but <laughs> not only does it tie him to Roy of the Rovers, but also some of the greatest footballers of all time. And that is his number, number nine. Uh, number so nine? just, that is really interesting. Cause I was like, why is Roy of the Rovers have the number nine? Cause that is like the coveted number for a, a lot of the kids on these teams. And then you go and you look at all the great footballers who have, uh, worn the number nine, uh, starting with the very first, uh, person who wore the number nine and became famous with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, there were nine apostles, so right? Were there? I thought there were twelve. No. There, there were there were nine <laughs> apostles and three on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you have to keep a couple back. So Alfredo Stefano was the uh, was the first person to wear the number nine that's, and become really that's good. My but, that's, that's the problem with Christianity being the default of this country. <laughs> if you, oh, any improv was hey, go and go back and listen to last week's uh, Legion Clubhouse and hear how I go off on. Uh, Oh, don't. No, do it. Uh, <laughs> okay, go. But Ronaldo is the other one that's the one of the current players right now. That's a huge number nine. Mm-hmm. I that, thought his uh, number was seven. No, he's number nine. And then there's oh. Messi, who is 10. And uh, so, yeah. So I found it very interesting that kind of in that tradition of great footballers wearing the number nine, that Roy the Rovers also wears number nine in this, in this comic. Hmm. I will also say, though, that this comic is kind of dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, yeah. if you are not into he shoots over here, it's off his head, it scores, then that is going to probably not be as exciting to you as maybe a kid who this is more aimed to, who's really into into football. Uh, I'm sure that kind of stuff would be good. I could I can see a, a bunch of like nine year old British kids sitting on the curb with copies of this in their hand, going, "Come on, Roy, kick it in, score one." And then they do. And the kids are just like, yes, all together kind of stuff. I, I can see that happening back in the 1970s because, you know, I lived in a TV sitcom. Um, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I think, um, I grew up in Hooterville. The other problem that I have is we got a, a, a digital review copy from Rebellion on this. And I don't know if this is true in the final version of this that's currently out there, but I was not impressed with the color reproductions. It's very muddy. It's very hard to kind of see things and read things. That was my only drawback uh, to the art. Yeah. My, that actually is a problem with a lot of British comics pre about 1984, 85. Uh, at, the, at the very end, after Roy uh, wins the European title, uh, there are a couple of strips that are presented in duo color where it's like red and black are the only oh, real yeah. colors mm-hmm. and then on the page. And that to me is, you know, that's how I, I imagine mid seventies, British comics, you know, it's all newsprint and, you know, either red or blue are the only pop out colors you have, but. And that was when Roy became like, they wanted him to be a manager of the England team, team England. Yeah. He actually ends up joining team England. And at one point he's in this middle, the middle of the big uh, match against France Mm -hmm. And all the kids from Melchester Grammar School show up with a poster that is actually a petition to beg Roy not to leave Melchester and the Rovers. Yeah. 
But yeah, by the time you get to the end of this, there's also a chunk of it that's in black and white. And I don't know, but I wonder how much of the color in this reproduction was actually in the original book. Did they, I mean, did they have to. Oh, interesting. Oh, if they're recoloring stuff. And that's, that's kind of a whole thing, right? It's like, if you, when you reprint a comic like this, almost regardless of what state the masters are in or the files are in, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to like remaster it in a sense, right? I mean, they, some, some people will go back and recolor. Some will just say, oh, here is the color of red that this was supposed to run. So just run that same. CMYK. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they'll fully just be like any old red is good enough. The M&M red is fine. Yeah. And Marvel will actually go in and white balance everything and fully recolor. Mm -hmm. But if I, when I was reading this and I'll tell you, uh, this is not a complaint for anyone who is normal. Uh, As I was reading (laughs) this, I was bugged by the fact that the background of the pages are a light tan to cream color, yeah, which yeah, means yeah. that this brand new comic, my brain is going, this is 6.0 or less. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is a book that is old and, you know, I'm well, my brain's grading it down because of that, that color choice. And see, but, that's why I was, I was wondering like um, what you were saying about, you know, shifting the color, uh, white balancing it essentially to where mm-hmm. the white pages are white. I, I would think it would be a huge cost to, waste all that extra ink to make this look like an old comic book page. Right. And that's also what makes me wonder if they did a full recolor on this, because clearly when you, when you tint your pages like that, you're trying to, you're trying to replicate what the newsprint of 1977 would look like. Right. Um, Not even necessarily now. I mean, newsprint can go bad in, you know, a day or two if you get it under the sun. Mm -hmm. But I I felt like as I was going through here, that was a distraction for me and pretty much only me. But I also feel like it was a specific decision to, you know, the people who grew up reading this comic. They may... They may have just wanted to go the cheaper route and just took photostats of whatever they had and, you know, take photos of that and then just printed that. Possible. I mean, and, if you they, know, the black and white ones at the end do make me wonder how much of this was originally in color when it was printed. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it does happen. I mean, comics will change paper stock mm-hmm. and change mm-hmm. whether they're black and white or. So I don't know. I wanted to know because uh, obviously I'm not European and nobody else on the panel is European um, unless you're in the bathroom. What? Uh, yeah. Uh, if you're if you're a Canadian when you go into the bathroom and you're Canadian when you come out of the bathroom, Ashley, what are you when you're in the bathroom? I have a bidet. So you tell Euro- me. European. Um, <laughs> anyway, I reached out to our European friends uh, from all over the world, but uh, most of them residing in Europe. Uh, yeah. Stu responded on Twitter. Cause I was like, I, I want to know what, what are your guys's, you know, what do you remember about Roy, the Rovers? What do you like about Roy, the Rovers? And Stu said, I was never a big football fan. I played rugby for my school, but Roy, the Rovers captured the best of football. And while I read it, it allowed me to understand why so many people love the sport. I also remember the art being pretty dynamic and exciting as well, but it's been decades since I last read it. So it may be the power of nostalgia typing here. Which, I don't know, I think there's some moments where it's like, you know, it's pouring rain or the uh, game where they had to play in the in the fog and it's like, oh, is this game going to be canceled? If, if it's canceled, they're going to, you know, drop down a, a point in the rankings and everything. And so, you know, when the fog starts to lift, that's that's kind of exciting and they get to play that game. 
Uh, Lagnus, who is not an Englander, he says, I'm not an Englander, but I've read my share of Roy of the Rovers over the years. I ran in the Nordic, it ran in the Nordic uh, countries in the sports comics Busters. I can admit I never thought it was great. Good enough. And that was it. I liked Hotshot Hamish and Super Mac and Johnny Cougar and Johnny Puma best. So I'm not an Englander and I can't tell you what made it great. I have failed at everything. So uh, we appreciate that. So Hotshot Hamish, I wonder what, what he must have played. Was that Hot also shot Hamish? Uh, is he's a Scotsman, I believe. If I'm but not is mistaken. he? Uh, is he a? Uh, is it a sports comic? I don't know. I didn't look that up. So thank you for those of you uh, from outside of the United States who responded on this. What are your guys' final thoughts on this? Is this something? Oh no, I guess Hotshot Hamish. Uh, Hamish is a. Yeah, it's a football. Uh, strip. It's a, a football strip. So there you go. Yeah, he was in the Tiger. I don't know if he was ever there at the same time as Roy, but Hotshot Hamish, I believe it's pronounced Hamish, by the way, was in the Tiger. Oh, good Lord. Uh, what is your what are guys' final thoughts on Roy of the Rovers? Matthew, let's start with you. I liked it. Um, but I liked it as an artifact of a particular time. And I think that, you know, when I was going through here and being like, oh man, I wish somebody had taken better care of these pages when they were new, that little voice in the back of my head is also that same voice that goes, Oh, look, 1978 Spider-Man hooray. And I kind of had that feel of you know, long form classic comic storytelling throughout this. I neither know nor particularly care about soccer. But even when you got to the point where it's like, ooh, he kicked a delta from the half Fremenstadt, that's all, I mean, that's all there contextually. You can visually see whatever it means when, you know, Tubby Morton makes an error and then there's another equalizer coming in from the, you know, that all is fine. And I feel like, The successes here are the fact that it doesn't feel as dated as some superhero comics or even even, you know, North American comics of 1976 have for me. And I feel like I I didn't necessarily love it. I'm not, you know, going to rush right out in a Roy of the Rovers buying frenzy. But if another trade turns up, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was that was pretty pleasant. It looks like from what I could see, there's only like three collections, one for the 70s, one from the 80s and one from I forget what the final collection is. Uh, there but there are two isn't... from the seventies because I bumped into two different ones and I wanted to say there was one from the fifties that's out of print. Well, I'm just going by what the Wikipedia says uh, currently for uh-huh. uh, collections and it less best of the best of the eighties, best of the seventies, the world cup special. Uh, the bumper book, and these are hardcovers, the bumper book of Roy of the Rovers and the second bumper book of Roy of the Rovers. So those are the, those are the ones that you can currently get, uh, right now. Ashley, what did you think of Roy of the Rovers? Um, it's definitely not the weirdest or the most boring comic or comic strip we've ever read for major spoilers. So that's a plus because... (laughs) Every time we get into things of a certain style or a certain age, there's a chance for me, um, just because of when I came up and when I came up reading that it's going to fall into that. I think about um, my good friend, Jordan, who's obsessed with football. She's the leader of the um, Liverpool supporters club here. Nice. Ted Lasso is like her version of Jesus. And I think that something like this would be really wonderful and like a really cool collection and coffee table book for her to have. And I'm happy for her and for those people, but I will say, I hope we don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I <laughs> can, I can understand that. It's going to make us, it's just like, 
it's the art is actually my favorite thing about it because it's very stylized. It's very unique. It's just like sports is mm-hmm. generally not my cup of tea without mm-hmm. smooching in it. That's well, all. yeah. And so, you know, first of all, actually taking a, a hard dig at Iron Man Armor Wars again uh, this week. Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> how dare you, sir? <laughs> Um, also, you know, I think it's, I think it's good to get out of our, out of our comfort zone of things that we Absolutely. quote unquote normally read. And so, you know, that's another reason why I wanted to do this. Plus, you know, as I said, I've been kind of trying to slip in comic strip comics a lot this year so that we can kind of look at, you know, comic books as the medium that we know it now really had its start mm-hmm. as comic strips that were then, you know, cut apart and reprinted. Uh, and so, you know, I think there's that. And then when you add in the fact that every year we try to at least read one or two European comics. And then I don't know if we've ever done a sports comic before. I don't think we've ever yes. done a sports comic before. Have we? We did something football at some point. I think you, I like think American. you did that over. I think you did, did that for do, a Super Bowl. Did we do fence or did I just do? Oh, no, we did do that. You know, fence. we, we, we must've either done fence or that dodgeball one. Oh yeah. Dodge. I think it might be yeah, 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 yeah. both of those. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we, we have done some sports comics here, but I always, I always find it fascinating because uh, like you've already talked about with your, your manga and your anime uh, sports stuff, Ashley, that it is, you can tell some very dynamic stories. And of course, you know, here in Roy, the Rovers, we get the end of the game and Roy must rush to the hospital because something's up with his wife and she's pregnant. And he's like, Oh no, is something bad? And everybody gets there the next week. And it's like, Oh Roy, you have a beautiful daughter. And a beautiful son to twins. And so then, then you get that. So, I mean, there's that kind of drama that's in there, but there's, I mean, I don't think that, as Ashley said, there's a lot less smooching in this than you, than you might expect. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think from an artifact perspective, from a historical perspective to gain some insight into what else is out there, I definitely think you should check this out from the library and read through it. I think as a kid, if, if I had found this in the library, at the Ottawa public library growing up, I probably would have checked this out multiple times in a year just to go back and reread it again and go, what is this stuff? Um, so I, I think this is definitely to check it out from the library and, and just expand your horizons with it. Uh, Rodrigo, we're giving you the final say on Roy of the Rovers this week. Okay. Uh, so it's, uh, I, I wasn't super into it. Um, cause I tend to not like sports. Um, and, uh, but, but it's, it's actually very interesting to read because, um, basically if you take a story that's like an action story, like star Wars or an X-Men comic or something, basically you can break it down to characters talk, then they fight, then they talk, then they fight, then they talk, then they fight. Right. Um, this comic is that except they take out the fighting and substitute it with sports with you know a game um and so it's interesting to look at this comic and see that it's a, a very non-violent comic i i i didn't read the entire every single strip but i didn't see one where like people were just off like punching each other uh, and if there is it's like a row or something right and they get they get broken up right it's not not no fights to the death, no real violence to it. And it's interesting because that's kind of what sports, you know, what people talk about sports being, right? The substitution yeah. where you just send your guys to have a match against their guys, and that that prevents you from having to like stab each other. 
So it's it's interesting to see this comic kind of follow those um, structures, just uh, just substituting different things in for the violence. Yep, there you go. And so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Roy of the Rovers, what did you think? Uh, join us over on our Discord server and let us know, or you can tweet at us. Ashley, where can people tweet you? You can tweet me and find all of the links to my shows on Twitter, Instagram, at Ashley B. Robbins. You can really only tweet me on Twitter, but I'm also on Instagram, and I'm lacking followers there. So please follow me on Instagram. There you go. Uh, Rodrigo, where can people tweet you? Uh, you can tweet me at Fearsome Critter, um, especially if, you know, you you have any news about like dinosaurs or something there you like, go it's exciting times right now there you go matthew where can people tweet you you can tweet me at mighty king cobra i'm in need of shock tweetment so please there we go and of course you can injuries. follow everything that we do at major spoilers we're going to be back next week general chat next week so if you got questions topics mm-hmm. you want us to talk about uh, then definitely uh, drop me an email podcast at majorspoilers.com or tweet at me and we will include those in next week's general chat. But I think right there is where we're going to wrap it up for this issue, uh, mainly because I need to go pick up a boy who's coming back from a soccer game. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience this week. As always, we want to hear your feedback, especially on how awesome my British accent is. So join the cool kids at the Major Spoilers Discord server. Link is in the show notes to share your thoughts and reactions to this and every episode. Or if you are a little bit more verbose, you can drop us an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com and you might hear your words on an upcoming episode like next week because it's a general discussion one. Right. Uh, And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. We will be back next week because we know that you love comics and we do too. We will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king sign throwing soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.